you know, one of the things I look at is like, why are discount brokerages offering free trading? Why is Robinhood over free trading, right? They sell customer data to hedge funds, they custody client assets, and then they lend out assets on stock lending and programs where they're earning all the money. And like, I see a world where we wrap, whether it's synthetically or we have like wrapped assets that come out here, like S&Ps and digital form where the client can have a portfolio being in their own custody and they can decide if they want to lend it out themselves and they can earn the interest on them rather than a custodian. And I think that like as advisors, our job is to appreciate how the market is moving, how clients want to interact directly with their assets and what they have. My thought process is that advisors should be not wanting to take the easy road, but they should want to be learning what is different and unique about this assets is that changing the way that we interact with assets and how assets can move between interested parties in a trustless way. And I think Bitcoin establishes that. And I think that there are a lot of reasons why they should want to learn why not only Bitcoin belongs to the portfolio or a retirement account, even if it's hard, but like why Bitcoin matters as we move forward in what we're doing as a space. You're listening to On Purpose with Tyrone Ross, brought to you by the Coindesk Podcast Network. This show is for advisors, by advisors, on all things crypto, and we appreciate you. And now, here's Tyrone. All right, welcome back to another episode of On Purpose. I am your host, Tyrone Ross. Today, special edition, I have my fellow FA Council members of the Bitcoin FA Coindesk conference with me, Adam Pokernicki. And Adam Blumberg, how are you gentlemen doing? Wonderful today. Doing great today, Tyrone. Thanks for having us on here. The Adam Bomb episode. Absolutely. No, this is fantastic. I want to start off by saying a lot of people know that I've kind of taken the career risk early in terms of holding myself out as an advisor with this, but and they always ask for books or things that I recommend. And constantly when people ask for people that they should follow or whether they get information, you two come up immediately. And I truly mean that. So the two of you I've learned a lot from, spent some time with, we've had numerous conversations separately. So I admire your work and what you're doing in the space. So it's truly an honor to have you on here. And I want to dive right in. What do you guys say? I appreciate uh, all the outreach from you. Let's go dive in. Tyra and I have always appreciated our time together. It's always enlightening and inspiring along the way because you know a lot of this stuff can be hard getting it done. And again, we're here because this is, again, on purpose for advisors, by advisors, prompted by a conversation that we've had, again, separately, but we've recently had together about Bitcoin and retirement accounts, right? And I think there's so many ways for us to attack this. I think the three of us are just trying to get advisors in the pool, period. But Bitcoin and and retirement accounts are a whole separate entity that no one is addressing. So I think this is something we could address right away and be first. So Adam Pokernicki, I'm going to go to you first because I do believe where you hang your hat is being the first registered investment advisor to advise on Bitcoin. Is that correct? That is correct. So kick us off. Talk a little bit about that and give us your thoughts. Getting into the space was challenging. My partner, Brian, was able to get you know, an exemption to add the ability to manage and advise on Bitcoin and digital assets back in 2018. It took some time and a lot of the issues, I think, are issues that advisors can feel very familiar with about why regulators were hesitant to extend 
a license to an advisor to be able to, to sort of really work with retail clients, especially in separate managing accounts. And it's, it really goes around custody. There's really no middle layer solution that exists for advisors right now. And maybe there will be, maybe there won't be, maybe it just is an evolution in the market of, of, of not needing a prime broker or a broker dealer, but to actually move assets through this space, the advisor in a lot of ways has to get the participation of infrastructure players from custodians that issue IRAs to exchanges that can work with advisors to create separately managed accounts, to really sort of create the overall architecture that almost mimics what we're used to, to really be able to pull that money through in a way that is not only compliant, but allows the advisor not to take custody because there's a lot of issues that regulators had with attack vectors on funds, client funds, especially in retail clients, whether it be malfeasance, whether it be you know, making a wrong address, putting in a wrong address if you're moving it, like going from your account to somebody else's account. There's just a lot of attack vectors, I think, that we take for granted with the existing system that just simply don't exist in crypto and digital assets just yet. But there is progress. You know, there are ways in which infrastructure players are out there on the exchange side, on the custody side for both. And when I say custody, there's an issue between custody of the assets and custody of the IRAs. And a lot of times those are not the same thing. Often they're not, they're not the same thing. Expand on that just for a second or two, the difference there, because again, I just think, right, again, we're just trying to be so myopic with custody for advisors, but with the retirement account structure and everything, it, it adds another layer of complexity. Yeah. So typically we are used to using trust custodians or trust banks. They are old school. <laughs> And a lot of custodians that have custodial licenses are also now broker-dealers. A lot of us advisors are familiar with the Fidelity's TD Ameritrade's. They can custody IRAs, they can custody traditional assets. But when it comes to a custodian or a trust bank that can actually implement the IRA, help keep it compliant, qualify the money, and then do all the Form 5500 filings at the end of the year, they often don't hold digital assets and are not qualified to hold digital assets at the end of the day. I think there's a few custodians out there that have made headway on that, being able to like do some kind of internal systems that they've built. It's really hard to get granularity on what that actually means when a custodian is holding a digital asset and offering custody. Like how do you review their processes? How do you review their security, their architecture, the implementation, whether or not they've passed security audits? A lot of that stuff is like kind of like opaque sometimes. Some of them are doing it through hardware devices and having multiple people being able to have signatures. But again, you're talking about attack vectors, right? And attack vectors from an advisor standpoint is like, how do I feel safe with custodying my assets with somebody that I don't really understand or I don't really know? And so you have to kind of like weed through the sort of the existing space. A lot of times we're using self-direct custodians who are out there who are just in the account creation and allow people to you know, reinvest in real estate, precious metals, alternative investments. And then you have to kind of like thread the needle and combining them with an exchange and a custody of assets and finds ones that are not only best in class that have passed security audits, but also ones that can actually structure accounts that aren't like omnibus or pooled assets, right? Like when I have client assets and retirement accounts, I don't think that like as an advisor, I'm not comfortable with like, a pooled asset shared on the bus account. I want to know that all my clients' transactions and that 
Bitcoin that, that went in there is their Bitcoin. And like they can see every little tiny little transaction. And I know that their account has different security measures for their stuff that can be rooted out. And so like the space has evolved to a point where exchanges and custodians have begun understanding that we need these like architecture of master sub-account structures that allow for advisors to really work with them, manage on the top down, overseeing and advising the assets, which is what we are trained to do. And being able to sort of like allow a client to log into their account, see their assets, feel their assets, touch their assets without kind of like pulling their assets outside of an IRA. You know, we've built a structure that I think is pretty great. It's not perfect all the time. There's building issues that you just have to sort of suck it up and get through. There's issues in terms of trying to get like the implementation of specific account level stuff that you want. When I say that, I mean, it's like, when I want to move or transfer an asset, like there's got to be a way to involve a client in that process that they understand what's going on. So they see what's going on. So they can feel what's going on. They can feel the safety and they know that you can't just add stuff to their account. So like requires having like whitelisted wallets and having like whitelisted bank accounts and not being able to add some of these things as security measures. And I think we've come a long way in doing a lot of that stuff and building those building blocks. Yeah, stay there because I want to get back to, again, the actual pipes and how this whole thing works. I think advisors out there, there's an opportunity for us to educate them. I want to get to that. But Mr. Blumberg, in your opinion, and we know, right, we know where most of the assets are held, the demographics of, again, advisors themselves and their clients. We're having this conversation previously. You jumped in as well because I'm not completely sold yet. I'll be honest, but this is not about me. But in your opinion, why is Bitcoin and in crypto period and retirement accounts important? Well, I think having Bitcoin and having crypto in retirement accounts is somewhat important, especially, as you said, based on your demographics, right? So if I'm young, if I'm 25, 30 years old, and I know I have a really long time horizon, and I'm going to allocate 2, 3, 4, 5% to crypto, why not put it in my retirement account? First of all, it's probably one place where I have money that I can't get to it in the next 20, 30 years, right? So I'm not necessarily going to be tempted to take that money out because there's fines and there's penalties and everything. I'm not going to have the tax ramifications in terms of the capital gains that's in there. I'm not going to have to watch out for that. It doesn't matter. I don't have to do any tax loss harvesting or anything like that. And I also want to make sure that I'm protecting my value. I'm protecting the value of the money that I have in there. And if you believe that Bitcoin is an inflation hedge and there's going to be inflation, then Bitcoin is probably one of the assets that I want to have in some sort of retirement account. If it's not something that I'm going to need for 25 or 30 years, and there's going to be this higher level of inflation than we've seen, then I need some sort of asset that's going to take care of that. So it makes sense. And the reason why I might want to put it in a retirement account, especially if I'm younger, is I can handle the volatility. I can handle the ups and downs at that point. I don't have to worry about the tax ramifications. If I buy it, if I sell it, whatever, I don't have to worry about the long-term capital gains potential. I'm less likely to touch it. I'm less likely to mess with it. One of the biggest issues we have with people investing in crypto, usually when they're doing it for themselves, is they see the big swings and they have their typical investor panic and go, oh my gosh, I have to get out. It's going to zero. I'm going to get out. And next thing you know, it shoots back up and they go, okay, now it's time to get back in. Well, you're probably less likely to do that in a retirement account because you know you can't touch it anyway. So I might as well let it roll. So th those are some of the reasons why I, I think it fits and it makes sense. It doesn't make any less sense than investing in some sort of really hot technology. It's no different than investing in 
Google or Amazon 20 years ago, those have shot up. And if internet tech was a small percentage of your portfolio 25 years ago, you've probably done pretty well. So why shouldn't Bitcoin be a small percentage of a retirement portfolio if done correctly, if kept within the wrappers correctly? Especially for younger people, it, it makes sense to have a, a small allocation. So whether your allocation is in your retirement account or, or in your traditional non-qualified accounts, to me, doesn't really matter. If I have $100,000 overall to invest and 50 is in retirement and 50 isn't, whatever does it make where the, the three or 5% is? I'd like to invite you all to join me at the Bitcoin for Financial Advisors Conference, November 9th and 10th. I've partnered with Coindesk to bring together a conference for advisors, by advisors on all things you would ever want to know about Bitcoin. It is free to register if you are a registered investment advisor and you can get up to nine CE credits. We will be discussing everything you need to know about Bitcoin, how to educate yourself and your clients, and more importantly, how to grow your practice. I'll see you there. So here's where it gets interesting for me, because I think there's a couple of hats that financial advisors have to wear, right? And I think we all could appreciate the growth of the space. I think Adam Porkernicki and I are probably a little bit more Bitcoin maxis than yourself, Adam, but I know you do appreciate Bitcoin. The thing to me that I've always found compelling, which is why I'm not a fan of an ETF, my clients that came to me and worked with me wanted the utility of being able to own Bitcoin and move it around and be in the crypto ecosystem as they wished. And that's a very small percentage of us, probably just the three of us here, <laughs> didn't know that that's a possibility and clients care about that. But you made a very compelling argument as well for, well, all right, fine, put a little in a retirement account, right? Like that may make some sense. And then again, I think when we look at the demographics of advisors overall, average age, what is it, 55? There's only 12% that are under 40, right? And then when you look at the clients and where most of the assets are still with boomers, it probably is a retirement account conversation. So I do get it from that aspect. So let me put this back on you guys. I think do we feel like now having this conversation without the infrastructure being there, as the other Adam mentioned, and getting into that, do we feel like we're putting a cart ahead of the horse here? We're just starting the retirement conversation without there being really good access and compliant regulatory tools yet? Or do we, should we start to force feed it a little bit with the right education through interaccess? I think we need to start progressing forward and asking those questions. We all know in here, our point, our, our goal is to educate advisors and have them understand it. And part of that education process, as they go through and learn about, should I even make crypto? Should I make Bitcoin part of my practice? Should I be talking to my clients about it? Question is naturally going to come up, can I put this in my retirement account? Because so much of the assets that they manage is in retirement account. So that's just naturally going to go that way. And we better start having an answer. And if the answer is, okay, we see it potentially in a retirement account, here all the hoops you're going to have to jump through because now you're not talking about just SEC compliance with Bitcoin and crypto and some sort of custodian. Now you're delving into the IRS. Now you're delving into the Department of Labor if you get into 401ks. You got whole different levels of compliance there and just having the advisors understand that, okay, if you want to allocate some Bitcoin or, or some crypto into retirement plans and start going down that road, you need to go to Adam Pokernicki and his digital asset investment management or possibly you need to look to some other self-directed IRA type fund and you need to understand how that works. And what we're realizing from advisors is we have been so 
kind of babied in the fact that the traditional custodians have taken care of everything for us, right? You have your custodian, you don't even realize that IRA wrappers that are on top of everything because you just know, I go to my TD Ameritrade and I click an account and here's what I want to open and, and everything drops down for me. And I send it to my client and they sign it and bam, the account is open. And Adam Pokernicki is saying, there are so many layers there between IRA trusts and custodial trusts and everything else that we have to dissect. And in keeping with the ethos of crypto and Bitcoin, like you said, and, and some people wanted to use it for the purposes it was invented to be used and not just as an asset or an asset class. Well, now we have to figure out how to put that asset or asset class into one wrapper inside another wrapper and advisors have to learn all that. I didn't have to learn what an IRA trust was. It was just created for me. Great point. So Adam P, let me ask you this. Does an ETF make this easier? Easier in terms of the retirement account conversation? Sure. I mean, look, you and I have had more conversations. I'm sure I've had a conversation with Adam with other advisors. Like They're like, just put it on QSIP or a ticker and I'll, do, and I'll be able to do it in or is it on my platform? I can do it. And so like their decisions are non-economical. They're not asset-based. They're literally about like ease of access. And so I think that like, for me, like I struggle with that because I think about my clients and like, how can I get them access to the actual asset in kind where they can do the most and have the most opportunity to work with that asset, right? Like I have some clients that are earning 6% yield on their Bitcoin right? Like there are risks on earning 6% yield, but in a low rate environment where 40% of portfolios are struggling to earn a real rate of return that's above the rate of inflation, like there is hair on that stuff. A high yield bond, which is like my background, high yield bonds are trading around 4%, right? 4%, high yield bonds, companies, sorry, bad companies, like with bad capital structures, I at least understand what I'm doing when I'm putting in, you know, clients' assets into earning yield. And so like, Bitcoin is a technology. It's an asset. It's a form of money. And owning it in a form of an ETF eliminates so many of the things that it can be. It eliminates it as a bearer instrument. It eliminates it as its possibilities as a form of money when it's an ETF form. I think that like the education of what Bitcoin is matters most. And you know, I think about the future of the space, right? And for me, you know, one of the things I look at is like, why are discount brokerages offering free trading? Why is Robinhood over free trading, right? They sell customer data to hedge funds, they custody client assets, and then they lend out assets on stock lending and programs where they're earning all the money. And like, I see a world where we wrap, whether it's synthetically or we have like wrapped assets that come out here, like S&Ps and digital form where the client can have a portfolio being in their own custody and they can decide if they want to lend it out themselves and they can earn the interest on them rather than a custodian. And I think that like, as advisors, our job is to appreciate how the market is moving, how clients want to interact directly with their assets and what they have. And yes, the easy way is to have an ETF. Do I like an ETF? No. Uh, I, I think it like cheapens the idea of what Bitcoin is. And I think that they're going to create derivatives upon derivatives would actually increase supply of Bitcoin that way. And that just goes into like what's been done with like GLD and the amount of options and futures. And so like what we want to do is we actually, if we want Bitcoin to go up really at the end of the day, if we want Bitcoin to go up and we want Bitcoin to be what it is, is like we have to remove supply from the market, right? You do that in kind. We own those things in accounts that we know are going to be sitting there long term, not in ETFs that could be like hedged with futures and, and suppressed downwards. And so like, my thought process is that advisors should be not wanting to take the easy road, but they should want to be learning 
what is different and unique about this assets is that changing the way that we interact with assets and how assets can move between interested parties in a trustless way. And I think Bitcoin establishes that. And I think that there are a lot of reasons why they should want to learn why not only Bitcoin belongs in a portfolio or a retirement account, even if it's hard, but like why Bitcoin matters in this, like, as we move forward in what we're doing as a space and not just technology, but like digital assets. We are digitizing anyways. Our good friend Travis said it yesterday. And I was like, wow, that's such a, that's such an interesting comment. The Chinese government is literally airdropping digital want into people's wallets as we speak. If anyone doesn't believe that this asset class is for real and that this is going to be something that like changes the way everything we interact with, whether it's securities, money, commodities, bonds, there's always going to be different interactions of how we do it. And we have to get smarter and we got to do a good job of advancing our colleagues so that they feel comfortable with this asset class. So they're not so reliant on you know, the broker dealers and that we are like bringing them up together, like holding arms and saying, y'all, we can do this together. We can help people. This is, we got to be beloved. We've got to like give power back to our clients and the people. Yep. And to that point, for those that want to continue this conversation and learn more, the Bitcoin FA conference is November 9th and 10th. This will be a panel. Both Adams will be on that panel. Obviously, we're going to draw it out a lot more than we have right now. Gentlemen, before we go, two things. First, where can people find you more information so they can learn more about Bitcoin and retirement accounts or just education overall? Adam B., you first. Sure. You can go to our website, interaxis.io, I-N-T-E-R-A-X-I-S.io, and our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search Interaxis. And on Twitter, we're at Interaxis8. So that's where you can learn a little bit more about us and, and what we do and, and all of our education. And we are actually offering a free three-day course for financial advisors. If you want to learn a little bit about Bitcoin before you go to this conference, sign up and, and we'll teach you a little bit about Bitcoin before you go learn from all the great people at the conference. Before I let you go, who is Satoshi? You are, right? <laughs> I've been telling people Tyrone Ross is Satoshi. <laughs> Adam P., you're up, man. Where can people find you? And who the hell is Satoshi? You can find us at uh, www.daim.io, uh, Digital Asset Investment Management. We can work with individuals, other advisors, and a sub-advisor, third-party asset management agreement. And we can work with institutional, high net worth, retail clients, both in brokerage and, 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 and retirement accounts. We've been banging through these and, and really make our clients happy. So if there's anyone interested in sort of really helping their clients get off zero, feel free to get in touch. As far as Satoshi Nakamoto, you know, I've strongly felt that I don't even want to know who he is. I believe that the like the sort of mythicalness and the secrecy of who Satoshi is is what makes Bitcoin such a strange, hard to understand concept. But I also believe that like in order to create a form of money, it had to be entirely outside of the the grass of state power and like I think Satoshi knew that and whatever he did and however he built, whether it's an individual or a group of people, creating a form of money that sort of abolishes the money of the state uh, and society had to be someone who was completely secret and outside being branded as an enemy of the state. But if I had to guess, I would actually say David Kleinman. I think there's a lot of evidence there that points to him either knowing or being directly associated with who Satoshi was, especially with a lot of the stuff that came out from the court case with Craig Wright, who is definitely not Satoshi, so do not listen to him. He's a fraud. <laughs> but that's my guess. There's a lot of information that like leads me to... The, the, 
I knew I was gonna get a detailed answer from you. Truly appreciate you gentlemen for the time. Everybody, please like, subscribe, share. If this is meaningful to you, please share with your clients as well as you start to educate and move forward in the space. We will see you all on the next one. And remember, whatever you do in life, do it on purpose. I appreciate you.